0: Good morning, Christ Fellowship. How's everybody doing? It's so good to uh, be here this morning. Last week, I was uh, across the Metroplex over at Lake Highlands Church in Dallas, and uh, we have a lot of relationship with with that church. Uh, uh, we've had a number of our folks that, that grew up there. Uh, Laura Albright grew up there, and Brian Brush, who's out of town today, also uh, grew up over at Lake Highlands, and uh, how many of you guys remember a few months ago? Jim, Dr. Jim Reynolds, spoke here and uh, did a did a great job. I would encourage you to listen to that message if uh, you you want something edifying and encouraging to do. Um, well, I, I also hope you had a, a great Thanksgiving. We let's see what all did we do? We I got to marry somebody who is sitting on the back row back there. The most recent married couple, Justin and Angela. Y'all give a little wave. All right. Awesome. Happy, happy about that. Uh, everybody have a happy Thanksgiving. Uh, get enough to eat, I hope. Um, we had a killer smoked turkey that somebody at Kim's office does those, her husband does those things, and man, kind of makes my mouth water thinking about it. Well, I want to thank uh, Micah, who's sitting here on the front row. Way to go, man. I listened to the message. It was awesome. Micah. Brought a thanksgiving word and uh, just did a great job. It's great having great people to just jump in uh, for all the different reasons that, that needs to happen, whether I'm gone or here. So open your Bibles, if you would, to First Thessalonians three, First 1 Thessalonians 3, verses 12 and 13. 1 Thessalonians 3. Listen to those pages turn. I don't hear the fingers on the screens as much, but I do hear those pages turning. Here we go. May the Lord make your love increase and overflow for each other and everyone else, just as ours does for you. And may He strengthen your hearts so that you may be blameless and holy in the presence of our God and Father when our Lord Jesus comes with all His holy ones. Um. Amen. Father, we ask that you bless the reading of your word today. Um, we are today starting a new series. Love to start a new series. This one's going to be four weeks, and it is the Advent 2015 series for Christ Fellowship. And I'm calling the series uh, Preparing for Christmas. And the interesting thing that we're going to be doing this time around is, uh, as a lot of you guys know, there is a church calendar that the church around the world follows. So, Catholic, Orthodox, Methodists, Lutherans, Baptists of different varied stripes, you know, there's all these different groups from around the world that actually move with the rhythm that the church has been moving in for centuries since the earliest days of the church. And uh, we are going to be jumping in during this time with what is called the revised common lectionary. Anybody ever heard of that? Okay, we are a, we're a low church in the sense of High church, low church. Uh, we do responsive readings sometimes, and cheers break out. So it's a it's a different kind of group, and we're just I'm trying to expand our uh, horizons here a little bit and join with our brothers and sisters all over the world who will be reading these exact same scriptures. Okay, so that's that's what we're doing. The lectionary thing goes back to before the time of Christ. The Jews started having uh, regular readings in the synagogue. And in fact, that's what Jesus is doing. He picked up the scroll reading for that day. There was a lectionary going on. Jesus picks that up, reads Isaiah 61. The Spirit of the Lord is on me. He's reading from a lectionary reading. You know, and so the church just picked that up and has kept it going throughout all the, all the centuries. So today we're talking about this series, Preparing for Christmas. And the reason I I called the series that, we're calling it that, is because there's a lot of competing things that are happening right now at this time of the year. Can I get a witness out there just a little bit, right? So things competing for your attention, for your uh, just uh, allegiance even. Just all kinds of things. We are entering into a crazy, crazy kind of time. And uh, we, my thought is, I want us to prepare because we can't be neutral. You can't be neutral. It's not like international politics neutral. I mean, like you can't be neutral in our country because of the idol of materialism. It is pervasive. It's it just wants to grab a hold of you. It's happening all the time. If you watch TV, or if you use the internet, or if you use a phone, or if you drive around the street, you know, if it's happening at us, to us, on us, in us, you know, and it just we can't just be. I'm just going to float through this Christmas time and come out the other side of it better i can't i can't do that i have to be intentional as i move through this time with my eyes on jesus advent you know what the word means it's coming so advent means coming so in the these four weeks of advent what we're doing is we're looking we're remembering the coming of jesus the first time and we are looking forward to the coming of jesus the next time the second coming of christ so that's what's going on. We're going to really be emphasizing that, and the, the Scriptures that we're reading really emphasize that as well, that we live in this in-between time. We talk about this all the time, but uh, I'm just going to reemphasize it again today here is that we live in the in the in-between time, the now and the not yet. We live in this age, and we long for the age to come. The Jews did the same thing. They were longing for the Messiah who would bring the age to come. What they did not expect though was, and they, they knew that resurrection would be a sign of that age breaking into, you know, to, uh, of, of that age coming, but they expected it to be like this age, the age to come. What they didn't expect was for the age to come in Jesus to literally break into this current age. Does that make sense the way I'm doing that? So we live now in this in-between time. You know, one day we are going to see justice, righteousness, holiness, love through all the nations, no more wars, all of that stuff that marks the coming kingdom. But it's broken into this age right now in the coming of Jesus. And so we are people that though we live in the midst of this you know all the stuff that marks our darkness and brokenness and 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 unrighteousness and injustice and life apart from god but we are people that know jesus and so we long for what's coming it is that's the way of saying it in kingdom terms but in talking about it at christmas time it's we are longing for jesus to come we're longing for jesus to come and make things right to bring love and fullness to bring where there's wrong things to make them right this makes sense. This is our longing, you know, that, that, that He's coming with His purifying love to make things right. We long for Him. And we are, uh, just hear me on this, we are shaped by our longings. You know, you are moving toward what you long for. And that's why it's critical that we keep our eyes on Jesus Christ. That we would be people that, that live like we want to see Him. Okay, that, that actually our lives are shaped by that future. And I, again, we say all this stuff. When I say we're signpost people and I, I do this and you guys laugh at me for doing this, but it's a visual so that you'll remember that we are seeing the future as it's going to be and we are trying to shape our lives and live that way right now. I want to live a holy life because that's the way my life will be when I'm with Him. I want to live a life of love because that's the way my life will be when I'm with Him. On and on and on and on. It's called inaugurated eschatology if you want a really big word. Like we start doing now what the end will mean that we will be doing. You know, it's about the last things, but it's about things that last. People. Love. Life. Okay? So just... Just a huge deal, shaped by our longings all the time. Whether it's TV advertisements, we get, we shop online, we we get all worked up about stuff. Have you ever noticed? You start thinking, I, I might like to get X thing, and it just kind of like a, it's like what's that that movie uh, with DiCaprio where a thought gets in there and it just he can't let go of it. Uh, it's a movie-going group. Okay, don't use movie illustrations. It's like Insidious or Inception. Thank you. I knew you guys could help me out. Yeah, it was an Inception. It was in there. And I just wasn't going to leave it alone until I got there. You know, but you, you get X product and it's like in there. And it's like, I don't have to have that. I'm not really thinking about that right now. Doggone it, just get it. Uh, Boom. You know, right? The book or whatever. That'd be me. I think I might like to have that book. No, I don't. The life of a scholar, pastor, or whatever. But, you know, we we are moving toward what we are longing for. That's the point I'm I'm, I'm making. I was talking about this uh, the other day with a few guys. Yancey, one of our elders down here on the front row, was was one of the guys I was talking about this with. And, and, uh, and he, said, he said, when we meet Jesus, this is a quote, when we meet Jesus, we find that our longing has a name. But until then, it's a longing without a name. It's just this longing. We all have this longing. But once you meet Him, I mean really meet Jesus, you find out that He is the treasure that you've always been looking for. He is the life that we've always hungered for down on the inside. And even when we get off track in our darkness, even when we get off track in sin, even when we just just kind of stumble or get depressed or whatever, all of a sudden we wake back up to Jesus and we go, Jesus, yes, it's all about You. You are the treasure that this heart longs for. And here's what I'm trying to say today. God wants our hearts... God wants our hearts and lives to be uh, shaped. Just imagine it's up there. I'm looking over there like it was. God wants our hearts and lives to be shaped by our longing to see Jesus come again. Okay, And I'm really emphasizing the come again part. I had originally written that sentence and I said by our longing to see Jesus. But it's not just our longing to see Jesus. It's our longing to see Him come again. The second coming Of Christ, which shapes how we live, it's important because of the that we're talking about uh, the second coming. Because a lot of times when people talk about the second coming of Jesus Christ, they don't talk about Jesus. Just an observation I've made. They talk about everything but Jesus, timelines and you know all kinds of stuff and emphasis on what happens right before He comes, but not the emphasis on Jesus, the King, the Lord. Okay. And so I'm not going to be talking about the stuff that happens right before he comes. Our lives are best going to be shaped not by talking about what happens right before he comes, but by talking about him and being ready to meet him. I'll let you in on a secret. Everybody that loves him and longs for his appearing, whatever happens right before he comes, we're all going to be doing it together. And I know if somebody's, you know, there's different opinions and all that kind of stuff, and people that are really into their opinion, they don't like it when I talk like that. But I'm still going to be there with you anyway. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) No matter how it pans out, we'll be there together. Okay. Everybody good? Helps to laugh a little bit. Laugh at ourselves. How? funky we get about exactly like this see the lot chart must happen exactly like well this is totally a tangent but if you got the chart and got it all figured out jesus is pretty clear that that's not the way it happens because nobody's going to know exactly the time or date man i need to get back to this here we go (laughs) This longing, it's going to shape our hearts and lives. Just all through the Bible, there's this longing. We're going to talk about that by looking at the 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 lectionary Scriptures. All four of them for today. Two Old Testament that talk about the longing for Jesus to come the first time. Two New Testament that kind of emphasize our longing to see Him come again. That makes sense. So first of all, the longing for Jesus in the Old Testament. Psalm 25, verses 1-10. through Please turn there in your Bibles. We're going to be looking at a lot of scripture. I'm not going to be commenting excessively on them, but I want, to, I want us to there's power in us just reading the scriptures together. Psalm 25 verses 1 through 10. We're joining with our brothers and sisters around literally the globe as we read these scriptures together today. David was writing a thousand years before the coming of Christ, a thousand years before. Jesus being born. And He says, To You, O Lord, I lift up my soul. In You I trust. O my God, do not let me be put to shame nor let my enemies triumph over me. No one whose hope is in You will ever be put to shame. (laughs) But they will be put to shame who are treacherous without excuse. Show me Your ways, O Lord. Teach me Your paths. Guide me in Your truth. And teach me, for You are God, my Savior. And my hope is in You all day long. Remember, O Lord, Your mercy and love, Your great mercy and love, for they are from of old. Remember not the sins of my youth and my rebellious ways. According to Your love, remember me, for You are good, O Lord. Amen. Good and upright is the Lord. Therefore, He instructs sinners in His ways. He guides the humble in what, in what is right and teaches them His way. All the ways of the Lord are loving and faithful for those who keep the demands of His covenant. Okay, so what's happening here? David is writing this psalm a thousand years. He's talking about... It's a, it's a song of hope of the Lord coming. And it's a song that talks about Him walking in the ways of the Lord as He's anticipating the Lord coming. So it's about a path that we walk on. It's about living a life of hope as we look expectantly to the Lord. You know, it's it's about living a life by walking with the Lord who loves us and cares for us and shows us mercy and love. It's about living a life with the Lord that helps us to walk away from the path of shame. Anybody know what that feels like? Y'all know what that feels like? And so it's a path that's best for us. Again, when the Lord's saying, don't do this sin stuff, He's not just arbitrarily throwing out, here's a good command for you to have to do the rest of your life. It's like us putting our on a piping red hot stove and putting our hand down on that thing. It's like the Lord's saying, don't do that. It's not good for you. It hurts you when you do that. I'm for you. I love you. I care about you. And you know, and Lord, remember not the sins of my youth. Come on, middle-aged people, somebody that's older, say yes, Amen. Remember not the sins of my youth. I remember the pastor I grew up with, Dr. Gary Beecham. He would always—I just always remember that—that's one that just stuck out to me. I remember him saying that when I was a kid. Lord, remember not the sins of my youth. Lord, remember not the sins of my youth. Got a few back then there that just, you know, I remember it more than the Lord does. He made everything right in Jesus. And I still, just, there's parts of me that are torn because of that stuff. You know, Lord, bring healing to me, to us. I was speaking last week, and, um, and there's a couple there, Don and Misha Harris, and they were my huddle group leaders when I was in youth. Way back in the day, in, uh, you know, I'm not gonna say the year because it freaks all the young people out. But uh, it was a long time ago, I was in high school, and I was not living for the Lord. You know, I was actually, I think I was like a a thorn in their side almost. You know, I just would do dumb stuff and get people to do dumb stuff. I was generally leading somebody somewhere, just wasn't toward Jesus at that time. And Don and Misha Harris, they were friends of the Wardlaw. The Wardlaws grew up there as well. And so at Emily and Aaron's wedding last year, Don and Misha came up and they go, Do you remember us? I'm like, no. We were your huddle group leaders for two years. And glory to God, you're a pastor. <laughs> this, is, this is unreal. What on earth happened? I know it's a testimony, but tell me. And we just had this great connect last year. And then they, after I preached last week, they ran up. They were the first ones to said, We're in tears. We're blown away to see the work of the Lord in your life, and we want to pray for you and Kim. They wouldn't, they didn't want to get prayer, they wanted to pray for us. It was awesome. Lord, remember not the sins of my youth. He's so good, right? Isn't he good? Thank you, Jesus. I mean, you know, maybe somebody needs to hear that today. That you could do a bunch of crazy, dumb stuff and even help other people do dumb stuff and then He still uses us. Redeems us. Redeems all that junk. Takes shame far away from us. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. you, Lord. You are not too far gone. And God is for you. God loves you. It's just the truth, man. The promises, he goes on, he says, the promise for the humble is all kinds of stuff. Now, I didn't go and read, read the rest of the psalm, but it's great. He confides in those who fear Him, who hold Him in reverence in their hearts. He tells His secrets to them. You know? And he, there's prosperity all your life when you walk in His ways. And he, and he says, you're going to have good things to give your children when you walk on this path. There'll be an inheritance for them. I mean, it's, that's not all about money either. You know, it's about a life that's worth living. A good life. So let's go on. The longing for Jesus. There's the first one. The next one is Jeremiah. Jeremiah chapter 33, verses 14, 15, and 16. So let's scroll forward here. Jeremiah is writing 400 years later. It's about 600 B.C., Right? So he's writing and he gives this prophetic word. He says, The days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will fulfill the gracious promise I made to the house of Israel and the house of Judah in those days. And at that time, I will make a righteous branch sprout from David's line and he will do what is just and right in the land. In those days, Judah will be saved and Jerusalem will live in safety. This is the name by which it will be called the Lord, our righteousness. Wow. Okay, so Jeremiah is prophesying about the coming of the Lord Jesus. And what he's saying is this Messiah is going to come, this King is going to come, and He's going to make things right. He's going to make things just and right in the land. And He's going to help make Jerusalem a place where His people live in righteousness. In fact, the name of that place will be called the Lord our righteousness. And think about it. Think about us, Jew and Gentile in Christ. What are we if not that? It's our only hope. Jehovah Sid, can you? The Lord our righteousness. You roll the clock forward, you know, Jesus comes and wow, Paul starts writing about things and, and he says, you know, you guys. You weren't fancy. You have all kinds of backgrounds. You were sinners and did all this stuff. But God doesn't, He doesn't want you boasting in anything like that, your past anyway. Our only boast is in Christ. In 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 30, He says, He gave Jesus for us, who is wisdom from God, that is our righteousness, holiness, and redemption. And we don't have any other boast. Our boast is in the Lord. And in his life. So rolling the clock forward, there you go, the longing for Jesus. But the longing now, the second piece is for our hearts to be made right and whole and keep growing in God, the longing continues. And this is where we long for him to come again. Not only as they longed for him in the Old Testament, we are still longing today. Luke chapter 21 is, we're rolling the clock forward now to Jesus. Luke 21 and really a big chunk of this whole chapter ostensibly on the surface it's Jesus is prophesying about the destruction of Jerusalem he says people are going to come they're going to surround this city and then it's going to be flattened and gentiles are going to walk all over it he says but in this great time of trial he gives it's like you know it's like uh, it's about the destruction of Jerusalem but any time there's trials These passages have always been used by the Lord's people to say, what do we do when it looks like everything's about to end? What do we do when there's absolute turmoil, trials, and tribulations? This is what we do. In Luke 21, verse 28, when these things take place and begin to take place, stand up and lift up your heads because your redemption is drawing near. Okay? So, Whenever we see those kinds of things going on around us, we don't freak out and join all the conspiracy theories that are happening around the world, you know, and join the websites and forward all the emails and create more anxiety for everybody. Instead, just offering another plan, instead, what we do is we stand up and we look to Jesus, who's the Savior and the Lord and our King, who's coming again to make things right. He goes on. In verse 32, he says, I tell you the truth. This is Jesus speaking. This generation will certainly not pass away until all these things have happened. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. Be careful then, or your hearts will be weighed down with dissipation, drunkenness, and the anxieties of life. And that day will close in on you unexpectedly like a trap, for it will come upon all those who live upon the face of the whole earth, be always on the watch and pray that you may be able to escape all that is about to happen and that you may be able to stand before the Son of Man. Okay? So, Jesus is writing, or speaking rather, Luke's recording it, but Jesus is speaking somewhere, thirty, right around 30 A.D. And... uh and he's saying, hey, this, these things are about to happen. These things are coming, but this is how you're supposed to live. Be careful. Be prayerful. Be watching. You know, be the kind of people that want to see Jesus come again. And I mean, that, if we just got out of here with that today, that would change our lives. If we would live longing for Jesus to come, it's going to affect the decisions that we make. The way we live life, knowing that we're going to stand face to face with Jesus. Jonathan Edwards said it like, you know, uh, when he was 19 and 20 years old, he wrote these 70 resolutions and they really impacted me years ago. But he he said several of them were things like, I don't want to live in any way that I wouldn't want to live if, if it were the last hour of my life. I don't want to live and I'm resolved to live in, in no way that I wouldn't want to live in that kind of way if I was about to meet Jesus face to face. That's just that's solid. That is, that's just good, good. Those are good things for us, us uh, to remember. I put a quote there in your outlines, um, I believe, from C.S. Lewis, who says... It's safe to tell the pure in heart that they shall see God for only the pure in heart want to. Isn't that good? Long to see the Lord. Long to see the Lord. He'll shape our hearts in that whole whole process. Um, I'll keep moving. I've got other things to say. Okay, so go to the the, uh, 1 Thessalonians passage. 1 Thessalonians 3. 9 through 13 is everybody tracking so far do you understand what i'm doing does this make sense so i'm we're going through these passages that the church around the world is going through this very morning and have been going through all morning long when the day started many many hours ago at the timeline and started working its way west Fascinating letter, 1 Thessalonians, right? Fascinating. One of the first two letters written in the New Testament. So we're rolling the clock forward a little bit from Jesus from about 30 to about 49, 50. Some, I mean, this and Galatians, first two letters. Some people put this one, some people put Galatians first, but this is early, early. And listen, so Paul, when he, uh, he goes to Thessalonica, Preaches the gospel, says there's a there's another king, that's what the charge was. They're saying there's another king, somebody named besides Caesar, somebody named Jesus. So he goes and he preaches, and people respond to that message. People become believers, but almost immediately Paul's persecuted and they are run out of town. And a church starts based on that witness alone. And so he hadn't gotten back to them. And so he's writing because Timothy has come from Thessalonica and brought this great report. Paul, you're going to love this. These guys are going on with God. They're following Jesus. This is incredible. And so Paul writes in verse 9, 1 Thessalonians 3, Timothy's just given the report. How can we thank God enough for you in return for all the joy we have in the presence of our God because of you? Night and day we pray most earnestly that we may see you again and supply what is lacking in your faith. Now may our God and Father Himself... And our Lord Jesus, clear the way for us to come to you. May the Lord make your love increase and overflow for each other and for everyone else, just as ours does for you. May He strengthen your hearts so that you will be blameless and holy in the presence of our God and Father when our Lord Jesus comes with all His holy ones. You know, literally just what 20 20 years after Jesus, and they are imminently expecting the second return of the Lord. So I mean, just, you know, just any any moment. I love one of my kind of mentors from the past, a guy named Watchman Knee, was his one of his mentors to these two British missionary ladies, single ladies, Miss Emmy Barber and Miss Groves. But Miss Barber, he said, always lived with an ongoing anticipation of the Lord's return. She would be walking with him, they'd be, you know, coming along a building and coming to the corner of the building, and she would say, Watchman, perhaps this is the corner that we round and see the Lord. It had an impact on him to live, anticipating, live like you're going to see Jesus coming with all of his holy ones. And so it's a kind of a, it's a lifestyle that we're being called to there. You know, they've just spent a short amount of time. And here's what matters, Paul says, is you live a life expecting Jesus to come, love each other. May your love increase for each other and for everyone else. Not a new message, by the way. We're just boiling it all down. What's the most important thing? Love each other. Love each other and everyone else. Let's be lovers. Can I sign anybody up that hasn't signed up today? It's a limited time offer. Yeah, it's limited because of our lives. Let's sign up. And he says also, may you be blameless and holy as you prepare for the coming of Jesus And His holy ones. We want to live lives of love because that's the way Jesus is. We want to live holy lives that are marked by His love because that's the way Jesus is. You know, I have to keep my eyes on the Lord Jesus. And you do too. We drift. We default ourselves into thinking without our eyes on Jesus. We default. Our default isn't to love the way God loves Our default is to put ourselves on the throne of judgment and say you deserve it, you don't, you do, you don't. That's default. That's us in our darkness. That's why we need Jesus all the time. We can't can't judge and do what at the same time? We can't judge and love people at the same time. I have to step off this throne, let Jesus be there, let His love flow through me to others. How does he love others? They're worth dying for, right? So, our desires constantly being shaped, and these passages are calling us to a kind of life that's shaped by Jesus and longing for his coming, the reality of seeing him face to face. You guys, here we go. Life is brief, life is a vapor kind of floats up, and, it's, it, and then it's gone. And it happens so much faster than what we think about when we're just floating. About a week and a half ago, I went to one of the saddest funerals I've ever been to in my entire life. No, the. There was nothing to compare it to. It was surreal. All nine minutes of it. It was so sad. And... Uh, And we go and uh, basically the treasure of this funeral, the the guy went in on Saturday, died Saturday evening, totally unexpected. And the treasure of the funeral was uh, the Texas Longhorns, nothing against the Longhorns. They're just not meant to be the main focus at a funeral. and i just i you know kim said I, she wanted to just lift my jaw up as i i just i couldn't believe just one thing after another about the longhorns and what happens in vegas stays in vegas and and, and then somebody comes up and awkwardly prayer, does the lord's prayer it was awkward lord's prayer followed by the fight song da 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 just and i and i know my jaw is like this i'm not this is It's it's this mix between surreal and this is so sad. You guys, everybody here is going to have a funeral one day, unless the Lord comes again. You know, and we're going to have that funeral, and people are going to be saying stuff about you. You know, and I'm not trying to be dramatic here. In this, this is healthy. It's healthy to number your days, to know that life is a vapor. It's a healthy thing to live with a vision of what people are saying, what the Lord's saying. As we gather around, and the casket's there, what are we? What are people talking? Who is the treasure of your life, man? I, I want it to be Jesus. Love, love for people, sharing His life, helping people know Him. The treasure, pointing to Him. You know, he's greater. He's greater. He's greater. I'm lesser. So, what do we do? Just, you know, just what do we do is walk back in our minds through these scriptures. There's a path for us to walk, there's a hope and a way for us to walk in the Lord's ways, you know, moving past the sins of the past, not walking that shame walk, but walking free in Jesus Christ, knowing that He is making things right. That's what he does, you know, and we're this people that are our only hope is the Lord, our righteousness. The Lord, our righteousness. That's what marks us as his people. The Lord, our righteousness. And when we get into stuff and we go, oh, man, it's all just going to, you know, international politics. You know, we, we stand up, we lift up our heads and we look to see that our redemption is near, in Jesus. And we don't get weighed down with the anxieties of life and losing touch with what's real and just casting off a vision where we just cast off restraint, but we have our eyes on Jesus and He affects what we do, what we don't do. He helps us navigate a path of life and love and helping people and serving and living for a purpose so that when we're 70, 80, 60, 90, whatever age we meet him, we are like, Lord, just With the grace You gave, I lived the life that I thought would please You. I want to live that way. A life of love. A life that is longing to see Him. Live like you want to be in the presence of God. And this is how we prepare for the coming of Christ. Worship team's coming. Ministry team's coming forward. If you're visiting with us, we do this every Sunday. We're just going to take... Just, just a few moments here. And I've uh, got plenty of time. Just take a few moments, five minutes or so, and just respond to God. You know, it's like, man, I, I, I want to respond. I want my heart turning to the Lord. And I'm going to just be a broken record about what I'm about to say. You've heard me say it before. But everybody in this room needs to hear me say it again. God is for you. God is for you. God loves you. He loves you. He's for you. When you could do nothing, He sent His Son, Jesus, just for you. When we were enemies in our minds, doing all kinds of craziness, God is for you. This is, this is such good news for hurting, troubled people that are trying to navigate life like me and like you so I just want to say if you're going through trials this morning you're going through hard things I just want to say there's more for you in Jesus Christ he's how you navigate that stuff you know it's he's the way forward wanting to see him it's just like it, it shapes and changes and molds my thinking, even just into a better place about how I walk through hard stuff. You know, for some of us, uh, you know, we may have trouble forgiving somebody, and I just want to say there's more for you than just holding on to a grudge for an indefinite period of time. You know, sometimes it's easier to just forgive. Australians, you know, somebody from way, way far away than it is to forgive somebody in our friend circle. And He is wanting to make our love increase for each other. He wants us to be people that know to forgive, that walk in freedom and life and love.